When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Is it time we started taking this Australian side seriously? Played 5-1-4, 8 points. Sitting pretty at the top of the table. They've taken down now Afghanistan, Pakistan, West Indies, and now Sri Lanka. And yet still, the Aussie sporting cognoscenti seem intent on telling us there is nothing to see here. Uh, elsewhere on day 17, um, in the basement battle at the foot of the table, Afghanistan's horror show of a World Cup just got no better at all, comprehensively outplayed by uh, South Africa. Uh, I'm Phil Walker and this is the Wisdom Daily Cricket Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. Uh, And I'm thrilled to be joined this evening by Mr. Sam Perry, Melbourneite, socialite, guardian OBO stalwart and the most alpha, arguably, of the three-man team behind the great cricketer. Samuel, welcome to the show. Thanks, Phil. I'm sure many people would argue that last descriptor of being the most alpha of the three, but I'll absolutely take it. Uh, (laughs) At this point, please don't jump on Ian's Instagram because you'll change your mind. (laughs) How's your Instagram looking at the moment? Uh, It's looking very bare uh, because my rig is in no way uh, close to what he goes as is. Uh, It's not even Instagram ready uh, in any way, so don't don't bother going on there. Gotcha. Message understood. All right. Very straightforward question, one with terrible connotations, frankly. Is this Australian something we should be concerned about. <laughs> the Australian side would want you to be concerned about them. It feels like the, the side is kind of trading on aura at the moment and previous performances. Yep. Uh, it was explained to me a few years ago in the UK that many people remain mentally disintegrated uh, through the echoes of the Steve War mm-hmm. era, even if the performances that you see today aren't worth feeling that mentally disintegrated about. Uh, I, I think the best way to kind of couch Australia's performances so far is that, you know, they have three or four world-class performers who have put in, uh, I, I guess, a few returns that are worthy of uh, being concerned about or watching. But yep. uh, outside of that, there doesn't appear to be a um, much of a discernible game plan or game style mm-hmm. uh, beyond some curiously slow starts from David Warner in particular. Uh but nobody is willing to write them off uh, because of the aura that I spoke about and because of this kind of emerging idea that, well, perhaps we'll make it to a semi-final and if we get some conditions, favourable conditions on our day, Stark will do something and set the cat amongst the pigeons. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk to you about that top order. Uh, Finch played beautifully today um, and is now pretty ensconced as the leader of this ODI side. Um, What's going on with Davey Warner? 
Will we ever get to the bottom of it? He played a peculiar innings um, a week or so ago, 50-odd in 80-odd balls, played nicely for 100, and then seemed to get stodgy again today. What is going on here? It's a really good question. You spoke about the cognoscenti before. There is a, um, I think the Australian cricket media does have the capacity for a bit of groupthink, don't we all, yep. really? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, most, it, it, it's, it's funny, uh, Aaron Finch played really well uh, last night, Australia time, and many people were very quick to heap praise on the influence of Ricky Ponting on his technique, and Finch did look fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because when we talk about Finch, we're very quick to praise coaches' influence on him. When we talk about Warner's approach, uh, and this is Warner who went through all six gears in the IPL and absolutely blitzed it. Yep. When we look at his play and, and look how slowly he's batting, we don't tend to talk about coaching influence on that we sort of say well what's wrong with David Warner what's he doing is he trying to be too much of a team player what's going on inside his head it's my understanding that he has been instructed to play in this way uh, and that he's he's dropping anchor which is something that we can't as uh, the cognizant work out quite yet because Australia already seems top heavy with anchors Mm. uh, and seems to have very few guys that can actually break the game open of which Warner would be one Mm -hmm. Uh, so why he's um batting with this kind of circumspection we don't know uh perhaps the decision is you know perhaps it's you know the thought of the coaches that maybe 280 300 is enough if you park that on the board we yeah. can defend it you know with our four bowlers okay the, you know the short answer is i don't know uh he, <laughs> d- he does have runs on the board perhaps he's building to something you know it's all, we're all kind of trading on hope at the moment yeah i mean 26 in 70 minutes today with a couple of boundaries um but let's talk about the other fella um aaron finch who's as i said now you know he's well established now as the leader of this team he comes across very very warmly as well um 153 today in in a shade under three hours five sixes in there at the oval is no mean feat is he the kind of character that can take this team all the way do you think you just it's, it's we just come back to that old thing of never wanting to write Australia off. I mean, mm. I have my doubts about whether Australia has the full package to uh, to knock off England and India, who to me seem uh, far more comprehensive and thorough in the way that they play. I mean, mm-hmm. Finch Finch today showed what he could do. He's the great sleeper in the Australian ODI side, although his form has been, um, well, horrific for the last year and only just lately building. What we saw, uh, you know, against Sri Lanka was a guy that, you know, can be quite brutal, mm-hmm. particularly with his boundary hitting. At the start, he was very much four or nothing. Yep. And then he very, and, you know, then he got away from Sri Lanka. Can he take Australia all the way? There have been some really good signs. I think there have been some tactical question marks over his captaincy in the years leading up to this, but some he, he's showing a lot more flexibility with some early bowling changes, less rigidity in the way that he uses his bowlers and his fielders. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the great, you know, he's a great embodiment of the hope of Australia at the moment, which is that you know they've started slow, they started patchily, but perhaps they're cobbling something together for the right end of the tournament. Okay, um, Stephen Smith. I saw Stephen Smith get a, a a brilliant hundred at the at the Hampshire Bowl or whatever they have to call it for the next few weeks in the warm up game against England, um, and it was a kind of a, an old world hundred in many ways. But he, he expanded in the last half an hour of that knock, ended up hitting three sixes, I think it was, and and the figures were good. He's kept that kind of vibe running since, hasn't he? He's playing a kind of a controlled form of. of of cricket here, but he's mixing the kind of the old world smarts with proper creativity, and the and the runs are beginning to flow. I mean, yeah, my observation with Smith is that uh, as a guy that is just so committed to run scoring and so hungry for runs, that uh, you know the year off 
is just going to be treated as something that requires some compensation. Yeah, he looks <laughs> fantastic. He looks fantastic to me. I mean, that element of the Australian batting side is locked up and operating very well. I mean, it's probably, yeah. if you know, we understand Australia's performances. Let's just have it right. We understand Australia's performances here in relation to India and England. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smith is the equal of what Joe Root is doing. Mm-hmm. I think with the uh, with the England side, so that part is fine. The 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 anchor role, if he needs to play it as he did against the West Indies, is something he can do. He has a technique to manage it. Yep. He can be creative and he can explode, as we saw last night, if needed. Uh, you know, he. If, it's it's just so. Um, I know it's not the case for many fans over in England, um, whatever their proclivity and who they support. But um, he's, he's a warm comfort blanket for Australians, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I expect him to continue his uh, like his really good form throughout the tournament. Yeah, I, I think he's, I think it's fascinating watching Steve Smith play at the moment because he's 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 in he's in the middle of, of a kind of quiet evolution as a player. He's, this is obviously his. Uh, his second coming, as it were, uh, and and he he retains something of the past while while continually trying to expand his game as well, you know. And the, the, the kind of clarity of thought when Steve Smith bats is as is as evident as it is in Joe Root as it is in Virat Kohli. Um, he's been under regarded, I think, in one day cricket in 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 recent years, and and it's impressive. I I, I have a soft spot for Steve Smith. Uh, I don't quite know why, uh, but but I do. Um, Sean Marsh and Usman Khawaja, you know, Khawaja is, is a dream boat to watch and has, in fairness, scored quite a lot of runs in the last 12 months in ODI cricket, but neither of them are really convincing at the moment. That's right. And this is as much a function of, uh, you know, what I mentioned earlier of picking, a, you know, a, a top-heavy number of anchor batsmen. I mean, yeah. when you have a situation where, as we did against Pakistan, where Dave Warner spent 30 overs at the crease and still finishes at only a rate of a runner ball mm. um, with respect to his 100. And Usman Khawaja is uh, arriving at the crease with 12 overs to go. Yep. Um, some, something is amiss. And, uh, you know, I'm, I don't know if anyone said this before, but I'm minded. It, it reminds me of Einstein's quote that, you know, everyone's a genius, but if you ask a fish to climb up a tree, then he's going to feel like an idiot. Well, you know, <laughs> Usman Khawaja and Shaw Marsha, fish, <laughs> they're climbing up that, that tree with 10 overs to go. It's not their game. Yeah. Uh, and And... Uh, they are guys who are very adept at anchoring in innings to kick off. Uh, yeah. I note Justin Langer is arguing otherwise. He mentioned, uh, he made a curious comment in the press the other day that he once saw Sean Marsh take 28 off the over of a player in 2013 who is now playing Aussie Rules football. Uh, and that's evidence enough that he can explode. Last night, Sean Marsh hit three off nine balls. That can happen. But you could even tell in the way he was trying to manipulate the ball or clear the ropes that uh, he just he didn't quite have the game suited to that at this point in time in the World yeah. Cup. How they're going to find those guys to do that toward the back end of the tournament, mm. I'm not sure. Uh, okay, have they finished with spinners? No spinners playing today. Have, have they? Have they parked that idea? I, I, I mean, that's another curious one for me as well. I mean, I feel like I'm really loading up on the selectors and the coaching here. Uh, you know, top of the league, four and five. <laughs> top of the <laughs> table. There's a grand master plan evolving. You know, in my view, Australia will very much struggle to beat uh, India and England without Adam Zampa. Yeah. Uh, never thought I'd say that sentence, but uh, you know, he, he's a guy that can actually take wickets during the middle overs. Yeah. Leg spinners do find it hard in the UK, particular. Well, there was one leg, one Aussie leg spinner that didn't, but otherwise, <laughs> it's difficult to bowl. 
led, speaking of echoes of the past uh, that we'll never forget. But, uh, yeah, I think Adam Zamp is a crucial part of Australia's bowling unit. I mean, we even saw last night against Sri Lanka, there was still some nerves yeah. as uh, you know Sri Lanka motored their way to none for 115 or 15 overs. Uh, yeah. but, you know, Australia's, Australia's bowling can be very one-dimensional. Uh, it can lack defensive skills. It can lack attacking skills. Uh, I think Zamp is a crucial part. He's been taken out of the side. They haven't tried Nathan Lyon yet, who, with respect, I think is, is more of a containing bowler. Mm. I don't know how Australia, again, beats India and England without somebody that can take wickets in the middle overs. So, yeah. Uh, Having hardly seen Nathan Lyon surprises me because the, the aforementioned game where Smith made runs against England in the warm-up, Lyon bowled brilliantly that day. You know, two for two for not many, two for forty odd. England panicked. Uh, he was, I wouldn't say he was unhittable, but he was very hard to get on top of. And I still think there is a place for a for a good old-fashioned containing off-break bowler, especially in this World Cup where scores are not quite as stratospheric as people were expecting and the pressure in the latter part of the tournament is going to start to tell I would be very surprised um, if, if they were to to stick with this kind of five man well four man attack four man pace battery and a little bit of Maxwell and maybe even a bit of Finch I would be surprised yeah me, me too Phil I'm uh, you know trying to elicit seven overs out of Glenn Maxwell and then maybe three out of Aaron Finch against yeah. top batting sides is uh, is a huge risk Perhaps yeah. Lyon is the ace up the sleeve. I'd yeah. love to see Australia demonstrate a bit of flexibility, imagination or creativity in relation to their bowling. I think they need it. And yeah. I, do, I mean, we talked about the gap between the top four and the remaining teams. I, I do think we need to understand Australia's performances in you know in that context. Yeah. What's it going to take to beat those sides? And they, they do have England and New Zealand coming up. I think that's where, where, where we're going to see where Australia's really at. 3-3-4 three, three, for 7 they made today. Um, and Sri Lanka were 115 uh, for zip uh, after 15 and a bit overs. Now, in modern cricket, on a flat one at the Oval, uh, you'd expect to chase it down from there. And Sri Lanka collapsed miserably to lose to lose comfortably by, you know, 70, 85, 85 odd in the end it was, 247 all out. But at that point, 115 for naught, Stark is brought back uh, and cleans up Pereira. I mean, that has to be the moment of the day, really, because the game swung on that moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mitchell Stark is the linchpin of the Australian side. Uh, I do think that, like... He requires a little bit of, a, of assistance to knock over the top batsman, but mm-hmm. what, what we're learning in this World Cup, and I'm not sure if this is a structural function of the guys that play, you know, all the T20 tournaments who sort of increase their short form expertise over the uh, the second and third tier players, but once once Mitchell Stark gets into those players who perhaps don't face a, a bowler of his calibre or his pace so often, uh, you do get the sense he's able to go through them. Yeah. So while there are some players at the top of the game who aren't that worried or phased by Stark, uh, it was always the case, I think, with Australia that if, although Sri Lanka are 115 for none, uh, it would only take a couple of wickets before he would get a look, as they yeah. say, or Cummins would get a look at guys who might arrive at the crease and go, I've got to go seven and over against these two and it's going to be very difficult. So yeah. uh, uh, again... You know, to bring it back and, and to throw that pessimism in there, they won't be afforded that luxury against the top teams, mm-hmm. none of whom I believe are scared of Cummins and Stark. Uh, they're yep. going to need to do something different, but it's a, um, you know, it's a, it's a strategy that works pretty well against the remaining teams, and it has so far. Um, what's the general mood like in, in Australia? How, how engaged is the cricketing public with this World Cup at the moment? Well, our podcast numbers would suggest not very much. You know, on the great <laughs> cricketer. No, uh, that could just be a content, a social content. Yeah, look, I listened. I listened the other day. I thought it was great. We're highly, 
we're highly expectant of our national side in cricket. We're highly expectant of all of our national sides, uh, it, it should be said. But, yeah, when it, when it comes to the cricket, I think our public expects Australia to go very deep. And yep. when we go deep and we turn on the TV, we expect to win those matches too um, by birthright, yep. <laughs> which, which I suppose is, which is you know, a double-edged sword. Uh, at the moment, look, I think they're, they're relatively engaged. I think when you wake up in the morning, the, the matches are at the most horrendous times you could possibly yeah, imagine. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but when we wake up in the morning, we expect victories uh, and there will be a lot of conversation if they don't come. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, the, you know, that said, it is footy season. In, you know, in rugby league terms, state of origin is on. Most people's focus is on that. And uh, <laughs> in Melbourne and the remaining states, the Aussie rules is on and everyone understands all sport and life through the prism of Aussie rules, uh, which will upset Victorian friends. So uh, they'll always remain Aussie rules focused even into the summer. But uh, look, you know, as Australia nears the depths of the tournament, I'd expect there'll be uh, a lot more focus on it and it will end up becoming probably the most, uh, you know, the most important sport to keep an eye on because, you know, one thing Australians love most is just winning. That's how we, um, mm. you know, process our, our otherwise... Um, let's say, shaky identity. <laughs> That'll do for me. Um, all right. Um, look, this this league table is beginning to take shape. Are we in, in danger, do you think, of there becoming a, an upstairs-downstairs element to this and the top four as it stands at the minute, obviously Australia, India, um, England and New Zealand. Do you think that it will remain as that in, in the next couple over the next couple of weeks? And if so, are we going to be rub, running up against a rather kind of dragged out tournament here. Is there a danger of that? It's tempting, isn't it? I, I'm just, I'm minded not to uh, take that step just yet because I do think it's a it's a common phenomenon in all leagues to think that the last thing that happened is the thing that's going to continue to happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you watch the start of the Premier League or the start of any competition, you might, you know, and the, the table starts to take shape after a few weeks, you go, oh, well, this is how it will remain. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, there are twists and turns. Uh, New Zealand, to be fair to them, haven't played any of the top sides mm-hmm. yet. So we, we it, it sort of remains to be seen how they match up against, say, the West Indies or Pakistan, yeah. uh, for example, who are, you know, invariably sleepers in these things. So uh, I, I do think that Australia have been fortunate with it, that Australia have knocked over the West Indies and Pakistan, who I think are two teams that were going to threaten them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think those top three sides can probably guarantee themselves semi-final cricket, uh, right. barring some, you know, major catastrophe. New Zealand, uh, I'd love to see how they go. Well, they've got India, West Indies, Pakistan coming up. Indeed. I, I echo that, actually. I think perhaps the, the biggest game in, in the tournament irrespective of kind of uh metaphors for nuclear war which is taking place in a few hours time um yes. is is new zealand west indies which comes up in three or four days time and and if new zealand get over the line then i think west indies are probably eliminated from there they're and equally tomorrow with the pakistan india game um if India turn Pakistan over, as they tend to do in World Cup, in fact, exclusively when they've played each other in World Cups, then then you can probably discount Pakistan as well. I hope there is one or two more twists and turns, not least for my own sanity, Samuel. A, a word on Afghanistan, just before I let you go. Uh, a word on Afghanistan. Is it is it patronising to feel sorry for them, or is it a natural and unavoidable human instinct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's paradoxical, isn't it? You know, to uh, to feel sorry for Afghanistan in many ways might be disrespectful. Yeah, uh, I've been wrestling uh, with this know, all day. Yeah, 
and and so you can only feel how you feel. You know, the heart <laughs> sings its own tune, <laughs> but um, the heart wants what it wants. But um, I, I I think it would be better to hold them to to the high standard that yeah. you know they would ask for as well. You know, yeah. I mean, they they are where they are as a cricket side. So I do think they've had some bad luck. The, the I think as Vic Marks wrote overnight, the rain clouds have seemed to follow them. They yeah. have seemed to be stuck on a couple of greenish wickets, but. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they would much prefer to be in this situation where, you know, we're regarding their cricket as just, um, you know, as, as a team that has to play against some of the top international sides. You know, they mm-hmm. have players that, uh, you know, that the Australian side would swap in gleefully yeah. for, for some of the people we've got. So, yeah. you know, th- this is this is part of their story. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I hope that they can register some wins before the end of the tournament. And, and you know, this is, this is it, uh, you know, minnows or whatever you want to call them. You know, I are part of the World Cup story. It's like, um, you know, I wonder how much of our, you know, consumption and on-demand culture makes it difficult to understand an Afghanistan in a World Cup match. I mean, mm-hmm. not that there's a 5,000-word article, but, mm-hmm. you know, when you know, in the old days, Phil, when you turn on a radio uh, a radio station, you didn't always get the song you want. You had to go through some crap to get the, to, to find the song that you love. Yeah. And I think Afghanistan's like that as well. We have to put, we, we have to endure some difficulties to have them rise all the way to the top of cricket. So yep. uh, let's 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 enjoy it. Yeah, well said. All right, well that's put my mind at ease. Um, okay, I am aware, Sam, that you've probably been awake for about thirty six hours watching games of cricket through the night and so on. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm going to let you go. Thanks ever so much for your time. This has been the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, uh, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. We'll be back tomorrow uh, with that show from Old Trafford, where I'll be in the midst of the unhinged and mildly disproportionate madness that passes for India versus Pakistan. Um, we hope you've enjoyed the shows. Do let us know on the Twitters and the Facebooks, and don't forget to subscribe via the podcast app or Spotify. Thank you, Sam, for joining us. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Uh, And thank you for listening, folks. Tune in next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.